Every day, we rise, challenging ourselves to work for what we believe in. At U.S. Border Patrol, protecting our borders is more than a job. It's a calling. Agents answer the call, working together to keep our country and communities safe. If you are ready for a new mission, join U.S. Border Patrol and go beyond. Learn more at cbp.gov careers. I'm your podcast host, Lauren Muse. This podcast, we talk about letters written by U.S. servicemen during World War II. I found these letters in antique stores and auction sites and, well, other places where family heirlooms sometimes seem to go to be forgotten. In my podcast, I share the letters and, using public research resources, give insight into the servicemen's lives prior, during, and after the war and showing how they served. It's my hope that someone will hear of these podcasts and recognize family connections with one of the servicemen and contact me. These letters home, belong home, with descendants to cherish and show with pride. Our letter for this week's podcast was written by Lieutenant Commander Fred Weeds Taylor, U.S. Navy, CBs. Fred Weeds Taylor was born November 5th, 1905 in Rutland, Vermont. He was the oldest son born to Albert and Minnie Mae Taylor. And Albert, well, he supported his family by being a lumberman. Fred had a younger brother named Crawford who also served in the U.S. Navy, Seabees. In 1929, Fred was 24 years old and I found an article in the Rutland Daily News August 9th, that Fred W. Taylor of Grove Street, who graduated from Norwich University at Northfield, Vermont in June, had gone to Lowell, Massachusetts, where he has a position with the Lowell Electric Company. In 1940, I find Fred living in a lodging home in Haverhill, Massachusetts. He was employed as an electrical engineer for the Haverhill Electric Company, and he was 34 years old. October 16, 1940, he presented himself to local board number 75 at 79 Main Street, Haverhill, Massachusetts, and registered for the draft. He's recorded as 5'11", 175 pounds, blue eyes, brown hair, and a light brown complexion. And he noted that his mom, who was at that time still living in Rutland, Vermont, would be the person that would always know his address. June 1942, Fred Taylor was called up to serve in the U.S. Navy. And on July 29, 1942, Lieutenant Taylor married Helen F. Evans, a graduate of McIntosh Business College. The article in the Rutland Daily Herald tells us that the couple would be moving to Rhode Island Naval Base, where the lieutenant was currently stationed. Lieutenant Taylor was stationed at Camp Endicott at Davis, Rhode Island. 
The state of Rhode Island is the smallest state in our country. It's 37 miles wide and 48 miles long, but it boasts a 400-mile shoreline of inlets and large bays. According to historian Christian McBurney in the book World War II Rhode Island, in Newport and Aquidneck Island, they included the nation's most important torpedo production facilities, a naval training station for 500,000 sailors, and the nation's main PT boat and CB training centers. There were also three special top-secret German POW camps based in Narragansett and Jamestown. The camp was constructed on 475 acres at the Davisville Advanced Base Depot and was named in honor of Rear Admiral M.T. Endicott, the first civil engineering corps officer to be appointed Chief of Bureau of Yards and Docks, 1889-1907. The U.S. realized the need for a militarized construction force after the Japanese attack on Pearl Harbor. Rear Admiral Morrell requested authority on December 28th to create naval construction battalions, and he got the approval on January 5th, 1942. Enlistment was voluntary until December, when the draft system became responsible for all recruitment. It was deemed essential that CBs be commanded by the Civil Engineering Corps officers who were trained in construction. At Naval Construction Training Centers and Advanced Base Depots on both coasts, men learned trade skills, military discipline, and advanced combat training. Although technically designated support, CBs frequently found themselves under fire with the Marines. After completing boot camp, the men were formed into CB units. The first five battalions were deployed immediately upon completion of training due to the backlog of projects. Battalions that followed were staged prior to being shipped out on both coasts. Basic military training was done by the Navy, while the Marine Corps provided advanced military training. On May 6, 1943, the Rutland Daily Herald reported that Mrs. A.L. Taylor was in Boston visiting her sons, Seaman Crawford Taylor and Lieutenant Fred Taylor, who were members of the Naval Construction Battalion, Seabees. Most of Lieutenant Taylor's enlistment was spent at the training fields at Camp Endicott. He and his wife welcomed their first child, a daughter, May 27, 1944, but he was deployed for service in the Pacific in August of 1944, and I found him in California awaiting deployment overseas, which is where he wrote his letter home. San Francisco, California, Sunday, August 6, 1944. Dear Honey and Jane, I think this will be my last letter from the continent, and it looks as if I would get a plane tomorrow for Pearl Harbor. I thought I might leave today, and there's been a lot of rushing around all day yesterday and today getting ready. Yesterday, I spent much time for plane reservations and etc., and made arrangements for my will, which I got today, but spent half the day looking in vain for a notary public. I will get that done first thing tomorrow morning, and I'll mail it to you with this letter. 
My footlocker finally arrived this morning, and after a long trip and wait at the baggage room, I have it here and have transferred the things that are non-essential to it because they say that it's a 50-50 chance that it will ever even get to Pearl Harbor and may take more than a month to arrive. We are allowed only 55 pounds in Valpac and bags on the plane, so I had a hard time deciding what clothes and equipment were most essential. I miss you so much that I want to start back for New England at once, but the news looks so good that I don't think it will be very long before we're all back together again. Let's pray that this is true. I don't know yet what to give you for an address to write to, but I'll find out in the morning and will include the address in this letter. Yesterday afternoon, I started out for a short walk and ended up going 20 miles over Knob Hill up to Twin Peaks and back. The weather is so unbelievably different here that you scarcely realize how how far you go. It's actually chilly, and I've worn my raincoat most of the time in spite of bright sunshine and breeze from the ocean. It's like a sea turn in Massachusetts that stays cold. The palm trees, flowers, and even the people are so fantastically different from home that I've been fascinated to hike around. I suppose everybody takes me for some type of hillbilly. They call them Okies here. Well, darling, tomorrow night I may be in Pearl Harbor, so please remember me and write as much as possible. I will be home with you before long, and we will live the rest of our happy dreams that started in Davisville, Rhode Island, and it will never end. Good night. Kiss Jane for me and write often. All my love from your loving husband, Fred. Pacific Seabees, their deeds were historically unparalleled. It was there that the Seabees literally built the road to VJ Day, constructing nearly all the airfields, piers, ammunition bunkers, supply depots, hospitals, fuel tanks, and barracks required to make it happen on over 300 islands. Navy records are among the toughest for me to track down, and all I really have about Lieutenant Taylor's time in the Pacific is that he was president, present at the Battle of Okinawa. On April 1, 1945, more than 60,000 soldiers and U.S. Marines of the 10th Army went ashore at Okinawa, which was to be the final battle before an anticipated invasion of mainland Japan. The island would provide the best place for an airbase in which Allied bombers could strike Japan, as well as a forward place for anchoring Allied warships. The original landing was relatively unopposed at Okinawa. However, the Japanese were well dug in and put up a fierce fight, lasting until June 22, 1945, when the island was finally secured by the American forces. Once it was over... Americans reported 49,000 casualties, including more than 12,500 men killed or missing. The Japanese reported 110,000 dead, and the Okinawan civilians lost a devastating 150,000 from being caught in all the fighting. The Seabees were attached to the Marine Division and created an entire battalion of flame-throwing tanks for the assault. 
At the landing of troops for the invasion, the Seabees put the pontoons in place for the Allies to move from amphibious landing craft to the beaches. Numerous Seabees followed as Okinawa became the anticipating jumping off point for the invasion of Japan, nearly 55,000 in four CB brigades arrived. Once the island was secure, the CB's task on Okinawa was immense. On this island, which had just undergone fierce bombardment and existing facilities were all but destroyed, they built ocean ports, a grid of roads, bomber and fighter fields, a seaplane base, villages, tank farms, storage dumps, hospitals, and ship repair facilities. By the beginning of August 1945, sufficient facilities, supplies, and manpower were at hand to mount an invasion on the Japanese home island. The Seabees were ready to go alongside the Allied troops to invade Japan. However, on August 6, 1945, a new and secretive weapon was loaded on the Enola Gay. This mission ended the war in Japan and also ushered in the atomic era of war. By the end of his service, Lieutenant Taylor was promoted to Lieutenant Commander, and on January 12, 1946, Rutland Daily Herald reported that Lieutenant Commander Fred Taylor, who had been home visiting his mom, was returning to his home in Haverhill, Massachusetts, and on February of 1946, he was honorably discharged from the Navy. On the 1950 census, we find that, that the family has moved to West Newbury, Massachusetts, and a son had also been born to the family in 1949. Mr. Taylor returned to work at the New England Power Company, where he was an electrical engineer. I'd also like to mention that his brother Crawford also served in the Seabees and was on Omaha Beach on D-Day. He was also an electrical engineer and worked for the Central Vermont Public Service Corporation once he was discharged. Lieutenant Commander Fred W. Taylor passed away on September 14, 1984, and he's buried beside his wife at the Bridge Street Cemetery in West Newbury, Massachusetts. A personal note about this cemetery. It's a beautiful area on the backside of what used to be the Highland Dairy Farm. I worked there milking cows in my younger years. Owner Bruce Merrill became a good friend. Mr. Merrill passed away a number of years ago, and he's also buried in the Bridge Street Cemetery and not that far from Mr. Taylor and his wife. I'll be doing some more searching for the Taylor family, but I did see that most of his papers and other items from his time in the war were donated to the historical archives of his alma mater, Norwich University in Northfield, Vermont, where he also served on the board of directors. I think I'll be contacting Norwich University for their direction on where to send this letter. If any of my listeners happen to know of the Taylor family, please pass my podcast on to them. I'd love to hear from them. I can be reached at warrenfamily at outlook.com. Thank you for joining me for another story of a World War II hero. 
please share my podcast. The more listeners I have, the better chance I have at returning history to families, one letter at a time. All details in this podcast were discovered by research done by me using public, military, genealogy, and newspaper search sites. The original letter, written by Lieutenant Commander Taylor, was obtained by me through an auction site. As always, please support our military, both active and veteran status. These men and women sacrifice to protect our country and its ideals, whether it's war or peacetime. The Seabees played an enormous role in Europe and most especially the Pacific Islands. These men, such as Lieutenant Commander Taylor and his brother, were tradesmen, electrical, wordworking, metal workers, plumbers, men that were trained and skilled in figuring out how to make something out of literally nothing in order to advance the Allied war effort. The need for these types of trades, well, they're still important today. It's nice that some people can write technical papers for publications, but that won't help much when your plumbing backs up or you need a roof, or your fuse box needs updating. Respect the trades and never take them for granted. Until next week, this is Lauren Muse, and you have been listening to Warren Family Letters Home. Shopify helps you sell at every stage of your business. Like that, let's put it online and see what happens stage. And the site is live. That we opened a store and need a fast checkout stage. Thanks, you're all set. That count it up and ship it around the globe stage. This one's going to Thailand. And that, wait, did we just hit a million orders stage? Whatever your stage, businesses that grow, grow with Shopify. Sign up for your $1 a month trial at shopify.com slash listen.